EBCC episode 79, my realization of the day. The film we're talking today features one of the most awkward funerals of all time. I can only see this increasing with time when OnlyFans, top creators start dying. It's going to make for some real interesting guests indeed. Break out the black fur, it's going to get a little bit weird. But for now, take a hit and pass that spooky shit. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror movies. I am your host, Devon Taylor. Sitting across from me, I have my co-host, Mr. Garrett McDowell. Devon, I'm excited about today's episode. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very excited. We've been, we've been tiptoeing around horror uh, for the past few weeks, but the movie that we're talking about today, I'm just, I, I can't wait. I'm chomping at the bit, Devon. I was watching this last night, and I was just like, oh, man, I've got a lot to say. You, you salivating like <laughs> like some cream cheese dripping off a bagel. I had to get a, a, a sham wow and just, like, dab my chin. Also, I didn't know the the it's locks and the, the locks and the bagel and the cream cheese thing. Didn't know that was, like, a delicacy until working at a restaurant that also sells that. Saw somebody eating just locks, and I was just like, what? Well, what the, what, what, I think what it's is a, that. <laughs> I think it's a delicacy to like a lot of other people, but it's pretty common in Jewish culture. For like, sure, that's like yeah. definitely like uh, their kind of thing. So yeah, a little bit more to us. But like once you work in a, especially because you work at a, a diner, like yeah, more brunchy yeah. type spot. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I started, yeah. where I was exposed to locks as well. But yeah, and I just the, the combination. I mm-hmm. mean, of, of bread, cream cheese, and fish is just something that. And my, then my, onions and capers. People yeah, get weird. It's with just it. something my brain can't quite comprehend. Maybe one of the one of the scariest things <laughs> in this movie <laughs> that's is what the people scary are thing. eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of attention to food in the movie we're yes. going to be talking today. We're going to be talking Shiva Baby um, as we continue our exploration of could-be horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been exploring that, whether it be thematically or um, in a lot of cases the filmmaking techniques, which we will get into plenty of today. Yes. Uh, very excited for that. Um, but before uh, we jump into Shiva Baby, we do have a guest waiting in the wings. He is the co-founder of the Certified Forgotten website where people write amazing reviews and editorials on, um, you know, unlikely gems throughout the genre world. And he also co-hosts uh, the Certified Forgotten podcast as well with his buddy, Matt McGonigal. It is Mr. Matt Donato. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, I did not prepare, unfortunately, for bloody blunts. I, I am still sober, but it's a work day, so I can't really do that. Uh, I am excited to be here, and I will just say... Matt Monagle is my is my co-creator and it's hilarious that he said McGonagall because it's my oh, favorite did I say- mis- <laughs> it's my favorite mispronunciation of his name ever and he laughs at it every time. So I'm I'm happy you're continuing McGonagall because it was, he's like a Harry Potter wizard that never was. True. I'm gonna make sure whenever I have him on the podcast, I'm just gonna call him Matt McGonagall the whole time. Just really insist on Please it. do. <laughs> my God. Call call him Professor. <laughs> Yeah, but he would actually enjoy that. He, <laughs> he loves would. academic talking. <laughs> 
Yeah, super excited uh, that you chose this uh, movie to talk about today because, I mean, I've mentioned Shiva Baby on the Best of 2021 episode because I was like, it's not a horror movie, but um, I had to mention it for the horror elements, and I'm glad that it's uh, coming back around um, to, um, you know, finally talk on a podcast. But before we get into the movie, this movie uh, made me think of something very interesting that I learned about uh, recently. Have either one of you guys heard about the Coffin Confessor? I have not. No, not me. So <laughs> the Coffin Confessor I heard about through a, uh, a friend of mine's podcast. And this guy in Australia, he um, is a private investigator and he was working with a client. And the client um, eventually um, uh, got cancer and he was going to be dying soon. And the two were, like, chit-chatting, and uh, the private investigator, like, joked about saying, like, oh, you know, I should totally come and crash your funeral, blah, blah, blah. It was a joke. But then, a week later, the the cancer guy hits him up and goes, hey, I'm actually going to take you up on that offer. And he's like, what do you mean? So he uh, told him, he wants, he's like, I want you to come to my funeral. He's like, so... My be- I know that my best friend has been trying to get with my wife for like years. <laughs> he's like, so he's going to, he's like, at my funeral, I know he's going to do a eulogy. And he's like, and I can't have that. He's like, so once he starts the eulogy, I want you to interrupt him and, and profess the information to everyone else. Jeez. And then, and also if so-and-so, if these people happen to be at my funeral, kick them out because they didn't care about me and I don't want them there. Dang. So this guy makes like people pay him to go confess secrets that they could not uh, do themselves before they passed away, and like that's a thing he does now. The the, the moniker of the coffin confessor is like an insane name. It sounds like a WWE character. Like they're like, oh, here he comes, the coffin confessor. He's about to like swing in from <laughs> yes. the you know from the rafters, but <laughs> that's a that's totally unhinged. I've often like fantasize sounds like a weird word but i've always just been curious of like what what is my funeral going to be like what's what's the vibe going to be uh and i uh, shiva baby is like i'm like that's that's pretty on brand aside from the jewish stuff i'm like people just being anxious and gossip and uh just being uncomfortable most of the time i'm like that's i feel like that's a lot of what my life would be you know uh, uh what do you what are you guys what do you th- anticipate your own funeral being hmm. i mean Mine's going to be, I mean, I, I know everybody always says, like, oh, I want mine to be a party, like, blah, 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 like, Still no, major. I for real want mine to be, like, a hangout, like, I yeah. don't want it to be, like, it, like, funerals have such a weird vibe, and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't think they should, so I, I imagine I'm going to plan something dramatic, um, <laughs> you know, there's going to be, I've, I've thought about maybe, like, a scavenger hunt or something, <laughs> like, you know, like, record a bunch of clues, like, you know, go, go make it, make my funeral like a Vincent Price movie, and the, and essentially. And your, 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 like, prize is your will. That would be, you know, that'd be, like, a hell of a, you know, you have to, those who, like, finds it gets your, you know, the last will and testimony. <laughs> yeah. I, I have There's a, there's absolutely a Daniel Tosh uh, stand-up set about his funeral, and I, I kind of share a lot of the mm. same yep. I know ideas the that about. he does. And, yeah. It's exactly what you were saying, Devon. It's the whole thing about like literally, he's gonna plan a treasure hunt for his his friends to do while he's doing it, and like he doesn't want it to be sad. And I, I do, I believe that very much. So you know, you go to funerals and it's it's always a sad occasion. But I'm, I don't know. I want it to be a celebration of life versus a you know dwelling on the passing of death. And 
if that means it has to have a treasure hunt and a disco ball i don't know maybe maybe that's what it needs it definitely requires a disco ball i haven't thought as much about my funeral as much as i have figured out like you know what i want my body to be done because oh, there's so sure. many creative things for sure i i went on a tirade so what i've settled on is i'm gonna get cremated and get my ashes put into an hourglass oh. you can pick out like what the material like the shape how big you want it all the things and then so that way I, you know i'm still somewhat useful as well i'm not just an urn <laughs> sitting on a shelf like i can actually be like used in the kitchen it, or in just like a board game like when they need or like a two game. minute timer you're just like people <laughs> know i love board games all that right, makes just, sense just flip devon over and when he when he's done like the round is over you're cursing at pictionary <laughs> rounds and all of a sudden <laughs> I it, it is a funny thing to think about because I will confess one of my strangest and I know not real fears but it is very in my head for some reason it has yeah. been my entire life mm-hmm. it's that I I will somehow die be buried not cremated and then real come back to life somehow buried six feet underground like that is very much in my head oh, about you don't want to you don't want to like, wake up buried no I don't I don't at all so like yeah. literally burn my body scatter the ashes please god do not leave it intact so I can somehow reanimate in some weird world where death isn't permanent I want to be like a tree they can like cremate yeah. your ashes yep. and like put them in like mm-hmm. soil and I'm like man I could be I could be a killer tree you know that would be that'd be awesome I mean is that is that you saying you believe in reincarnation is that you influencing how you want to be reincarnated I don't think I'm gonna tree? like wake up and i'm like whoa i'm a fern like i think it's just gonna be you oh, know hey, life it gets life yeah i'm not gonna be like wow i feel great look at all my limbs you know i don't think it's gonna be quite like that i think it's just more the idea of just like i think it's also a, a, like a, a a microcosm of the type of person i am the idea that i'd be occupying space i'm not biodegradable i'm just like in a concrete box inside of another metal box and i'm just like gonna sit there and not give back to the earth and i'm just taking up space that somebody else could occupy like i think that that's just kind of me in a nutshell of like i don't want to be an inconvenience make me a tree that sounds nice is <laughs> you'd be giving back in in a, yes. in a sense so, yes you know there's there's a lot of options and stuff and um and it, all this coming back to um i think also the coffin confessor is just like my next profession i want to be his successor for sure also i came i had like an idea of like a a movie about him to put a supernatural twist on it kind of like a like a pushing daisies like kind of situation that'd be nice yeah he's like talking to dead people kind of uh getting constantine style yeah yeah getting their last wishes (laughs) or the or the frighteners or something like that yeah Yeah, i can see that yeah but enough about uh the frighteners we'll save that one for another time because that's a very interesting movie as well let's go ahead and get into our feature film for the episode apologize that hark was so loud i was about to say i was like that was willem dafoe came in hot that episode (laughs) willem came in super hot on that one Anyways, Shiva Baby, released April 2nd, 2021, directed by Emma Seligman, who also wrote it as well. The score was done by Ariel Marks and cinematography by Mary, uh, cinematography by Maria Roosh. Um, pretty much an all-female crew as far as like all the major filmmaking yeah. roles in this film, so we love to see that. Um, this movie did come out 
pretty recently. Um, probably one of the most recent ones we've done, and also one of the highest as far as critical reception goes, nice. holding a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes on 162 reviews. As it should. As it should, with a lot with a letterbox rating of 3.9 out of 5. Slightly surprised by that letterbox average. I feel like this is definitely a big letterbox, you know, hit in a in a way. Totally, yeah. Uh, one of the movies they're tweeting about quite a bit. So I'm I'm kind of surprised on that part. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie um, did have a very limited release. So it only made three hundred fifteen thousand on a two hundred thousand dollar budget. Um, but it, people really dug this one, and I remember just by the amount of genre fans I saw talking about it before going in, I thought it was more of a genre film yeah. than what it actually is. Uh, so, Matt, what was uh, your initial um, reaction to this film, and why do you want to talk about it today? So, I, I mean, I will uh, not even bury the lead. I will just spoil completely that it was my favorite movie of last year. Uh, mm. it, it is just so very adept and good at making you uncomfortable. And I think that's, you know, bringing out the letterbox rating. It's a movie about anxiety, and it's a movie about, like, social anxiety especially. So a lot of people are going to be turned off by that initially, and they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to sit through an entire movie that is all of that. Like, you're not going to get someone who has their own anxieties and sees themselves in these characters to watch 70-ish, 80-ish minutes of just pure conversational cringing and just being stuck <laughs> in these uh, scenarios where, you know, we'll get into it. We'll get into all mm-hmm. of that. So my initial reaction was watching all of that and still seeing how good the performances were because you get these tremendous performances of people working in these scenarios where they're probably like their skin is crawling just having to act it out yeah and yet everything feels so natural from like the helicopter parenting to the aggressive nature of like keeping asking all the women like basically are you getting married what is your relationship status and like boiling them down to that yeah to the just oh my god the discomfort of watching them eating everything is so like has that genre bend where the direction wants to take you towards horror and give you those little elements, but still never become a horror film. This is never in any glimpse, except no. one that I'll probably argue later, a mm-hmm. horror film. But to me, to watch that and to recognize how much talent goes into making a movie like this actually work, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. If you can make all of this work together and make me love it still, that is just like off the charts talent. Oh, yeah, like a a closed, you know, a closed location, you know, single location film uh, set entirely around a funeral is a concept that, you know, definitely shouldn't work. But the way that they, you know, take certain spins to make it work Mm -hmm. in this with the filmmaking techniques is very interesting. Uh, When did you see this for the first time, Garrett? So I saw it sometime last year. I don't know the exact date, but out of the uh, 128 uh, new release films that I saw last year, this was my fourth. Slight flex. This little bit. bit. (laughs) Uh, uh, This was my fourth favorite uh, movie that I saw last year, uh, closely behind Spencer, which I think also kind of uh, is almost a horror movie in a way for similar reasons. But yeah, pretty much similar to what you were saying man like this is as someone who doesn't like have you know a super severe social anxiety like i i'm i'm someone who uh gets like maybe annoyed or i'm just a hyper aware of the how people talk to people and just like little in- intricacies that people do and that we've talked before about the food thing that's a big like ugh, for me and then there's a lot of like mouth food kind of action in this that's really uncomfortable this movie as a whole just like makes me want to crawl out of my skin uh the performances are really excellent but it also kind of has like a nice um 
subtle enough kind of uh, messaging about uh, being this age, uh, being uh, a young woman and your your parents kind of being concerned for you, being the, the difficulty, something I did really relate to this, the difficulty of trying to explain to relatives what you want to do for a living because mm-hmm. uh, I went to school for something that is not like super, super um, uh, obtuse or super, super unique, but also something that's not, you know, hey, I'm going to be a nurse. It's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I was mm-hmm. like trying to explain to people what I want to do. And then again, the next year at Christmas, trying to again explain explain it to the same people you know so i definitely related uh in that sense but yeah this entire movie just gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies yeah i mean i i found this movie i remember you know seeing a lot of people talk about it um and then you know it it gave me that uh safety brothers energy that i was kind of looking for that um you know i call this like social cringe horror like it's not horror but like the the amount of you know anxiety and like social cringe like i love those movies like totally you know it's like it's like people watching you know it's like i'm when i'm working at the bar and i watch somebody like having interaction like we'll be talking i'm just like oh my god like this tinder date is going so downhill right now you know and it's like you're watching it crumble yeah that is entertaining for me so like watching this film where you're seeing someone's like lies just fall apart like in front of their face and they can't like you know catch up and yeah and just the way that it is filmed of like you know it's so claustrophobic um all the close-ups are so tight and at such weird angles like it's like you're just in these people's faces and like Mm -hmm. in their in their space the entire movie and you totally feel that like you know what danielle's feeling and then of course um you know ariel marx's score has been um you know singled out quite a bit because like it really does set that mood yeah for the film it like gives you i call them the the classic horror strings yeah the which kind of staccato kind of violin I'm, yeah. i made a i made a tweet like a couple months ago saying like hey can we outlaw this from trailers because <laughs> like i am really tired of it yeah. but for the purpose of the film though to like create that effect mm-hmm. um works out so well uh rachel senate's performance which we'll get into is just yeah it's everything mm-hmm. like it really is and uh this movie was this movie was sitting at my number one of 2021 for quite a bit mm-hmm. until like the last like two months of the year so it got no- knocked down to number five overall but yeah I'm, still a pretty high showing i'm looking at my uh my uh, letterbox diary and so i watched this july of 2021 but my uh my review for the movie was just uh this is now streaming on shutter so even back then <laughs> i was just like this is, this is practically a horror movie which is why i was so glad to talk about this movie this this month because this was to me like the most obvious answer oh yeah so, for uh, sure with the one that I think the leap uh, is is so you know is, is so small uh, that it doesn't really require explaining. You just watch the movie and you're like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in case uh, you guys have not watched the movie in a hot minute or at all, we are gonna be spoiling it. <laughs> not that there's much to spoil, but it's pretty recent, and mm-hmm. you can watch it right now on HBO Max. Yep, so yep. go do that if you haven't seen it. But if it's just been a minute, we will uh, catch you up real quick um, with Matt Donato doing our 60-second synopsis. Um, Are you ready, sir? I'll try to. You're trying to? Well, guess what? I'm going to throw another wrench at you. Okay. Right. Because you didn't – so I'm I'm assuming you probably didn't listen to the previous episode, which is okay. Um, uh, because you were originally supposed to be the last episode and then we had like, you know, some scheduling. So we had to switch it around. So, um, we joked around that we are going to give you a handicap on the 60 (laughs) second synopsis. Okay. You, my friend get 45 seconds. Oh God. Now we we had to make do this because of what we already talked about, but 
Understood. We we had to make a last minute adjustment, so now we're gonna challenge you to do the same thing. <laughs> For the first time this has happened that we're uh, we're adding some wrinkles into the challenge. That's right. He's in timeout. All right, right. I'm, I'm gonna get my stop clock out right now just to, just to right. challenge to really challenge myself on this. All right, stopwatch. All okay. right. So I got 45 seconds to give a quick synopsis. Am I going whole film here just to make sure? Or what are we doing here? Synopsis? As much as you can. Um, it, we'll, okay. we'll discuss everybody else's tactics afterwards. Mm -hmm. We want to see how you, how you yeah, approach it. Make it your own. Yeah. All right. You tell me when I'm going to hit start and I'll do my best. All right. Go ahead in three, two, one, go. Okay. So Danielle is going to a Shiva and she's going to a Shiva as a jewish girl who is trying to number one explain to her family what a career in feminism means which her dad keeps quoting out loud like oh yes you know she's a feminist i don't know what kind of job she can get also she has a sugar daddy who also goes to the same shiva and they have a moment of realization that they've both been lying to one another very early so right from that start you get the interactions between both of them and the entire shiva basically goes off the rails at that point where danielle is attempting to number one navigate her own feelings of trying to come out as her own person while her family is also being incredibly overbearing and not understanding all that same while trying to do the sugar daddy thing and that's seconds. 45 seconds holy crap that went way faster than i thought <laughs> Luckily for you, the this movie is pretty straightforward, and uh, there wasn't too much um, that you had to that you had to get in there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, for handling the shortened time, I mean, you definitely yeah uh, got it in there. Yeah, I uh, knew that those fifteen seconds would have been crucial. <laughs> I needed that sixty seconds to finally close yeah. it out, and I was like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, knowing the way that I do it, I usually try to make it last the entire sixty seconds. I think I would struggle with this one because it's super bare bones. Like the movie itself is just over an hour, just by a little bit. So it's like practically just like a pretty long episode of tv you know yeah it, yeah this movie is it's pretty short on the runtime and like if you do try to explain it to somebody like trying to sell this movie yeah. to somebody like if you just told them the premise yeah it's kind of hard to like interest somebody like so i remember whenever i kept recommending this to people i was like okay but here's the like it, it's just it, the whole movie it's just at the shiva that's it mm -hmm. but it's like there's this scenario is going on. There's awkward situations. It's filmed like a horror movie. You got to watch it. And yeah. then it's like I had to like add those things in because the yeah the plot itself isn't enough to really sell someone on this movie. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I don't even know if it's something that I I think I would feel comfortable just recommending it to people of like it's just kind of like watching Social Anxiety the movie and it's also because it's so short it's like if you didn't like it or if it's not really your thing then you can just kind of bail on it or it's not that big of a commitment rather than like okay let me convince you to sit down and watch this two and a half hour long movie about whatever it's just like hey do you have a little bit over an hour to watch something like you should and it's really great and also it's you know very critically acclaimed as we had talked about on on uh, rotten tomatoes so yeah i think it, it is a movie that benefits from kind of the you know uh, not only financially but creatively as well of kind of having this bottleneck movie because it forces these characters to you can't escape this uncomfortable mm -hmm. situation and you have to confront it which uh the lead character does kind of head on like she actively uh you know avoids conflict in some situations but mm -hmm. also seeks it out in, in some situations so uh, it makes for this very like oh why are this cringing the entire time you know this this yeah. movie is like cooking a stew like <laughs> like the movie just keeps putting more and more vegetables and meats and it's like yeah. hey like i think you got enough and the movie is just like no no and keeps like adding it in until it boils over yes, like quite does. literally yes and there are so many like different ways to recommend it as well because like obviously my commentary is coming from like a like catholic christian uh male centered point mm -hmm. of view but like 
obviously it's a very Jewish movie and especially like, you know, Jewish women and the community. Like I talked to plenty of my friends who've seen it too. And it was hearing the stories of like how much they really felt seeing themselves in the main character yeah. and being around the Shivas and literally like, you know, um, Lindsay Travis, who I'm sure you guys either talk to or know mm -hmm. online, like, you know, having it, it, like explicit stories just about like, yep, Shiva baby is very real about the conversations that happen. So, you know, one person's reading on it in my reading, just being about the social anxiety and just all of that horror that comes out of that is also like a different recommendation that somebody else would be giving mm -hmm. from, you know, the Jewish community and just saying like, no, yeah, it gets that aspect very well too. So it, mm -hmm. it you know, when I was recommending it, I was just very much getting across the universality of it and just saying like, listen, this is my take on it. Obviously someone else is going to have a different appreciation and they should, because everything is about representation, but like, yeah, no, I, you're, <laughs> you're still going to find all of the horror and all the anxiety, even if you don't experience this on a daily basis mm -hmm. you know like in your own community mm -hmm. yeah it was like it was like i saw it as i it, i felt similar but n obviously not having right. the same thing like yeah i'm not jewish but like you know the, the there's similarities that i can see between like you know the gatherings of a jewish family and then the gatherings of a black family yeah. like there's you know i can see certain similarities but it's still not exactly you know what right. she's feeling so mm -hmm. it's like you still get that window in, but like, yeah, I'm like, okay, I, I like, I get some of that because it's, it's like, I had to ask somebody, I was like, I was like, is it really like that? Like, you know, like, cause like, I, I hate small talk like so much. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. And yep. this movie is like 85% just like aggressive small talk. Oh, yeah. And like, I'm like, is our Jewish families really like, like, is this like the way that, you know, conversations yeah. go? And they were just like, yes. Like, yeah. like everything they, they want to talk about everything. That's just so mundane, but nothing yeah. really like how, yeah. like, again, like nobody really understands what Danielle's doing and she's yeah. trying to explain, but also nobody really cares. They just kind of like, the general conversation of it all. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because that was the exact next thing that I was going to talk about. Is this is kind of the, even though like uh, I don't nobody on this on this episode is Jewish. Uh, let's <laughs> let's let's establish that. But also, uh, I also come from like a Christian background. But it's also the kind of background that. I, you know, anticipate uh, kind of rehashing. It's just like this annual thing that when you go home from the holidays or something like that mm -hmm. and you see your family and it's kind of this like checkpoint with your family and it's understandable. Like I get why it happens, but it's still kind of the uncomfortableness of like, so what have you been up to? It's like, okay, well, let me try to capture this entire year of things that I've been doing, but also you're just getting surface level enough of like, what are you doing for work? Are you seeing anybody? You know, it, it's nothing like, like you had said, substantive or real. You're kind of just touching base and they even mm -hmm. kind of directly address that in this movie because there's oh, multiple yeah. family members that are like i haven't gotten to talk to you this whole time like let's catch up how are you doing and they just rattle off those like same five questions that everybody's been asking and it's yeah it's that kind of small talk of just trying to like feign interest and it's just kind of yeah it's it's just it, it's it's like it's not overtly horror in the sense that it's like ah there's a ghost or a demon but it's just like ah, having to talk small talk no, with my relatives it's, it's like, like <laughs> weapon it's like weaponized yeah. still like the the fact that this movie can weaponize small talk is like a feat in itself that totally. i just find like crazy yeah um but to kind of get into you know the heart of the movie is you know the characters here um you know as we follow danielle portrayed by uh rachel senate who um, she mainly comes from a comedy background, mm -hmm. and you can definitely see that in this. Um, and, you know, the, the movie does just such a good job, like, you know, revealing information, you know, through these conversations that Danielle's having. Um, Danielle 
basically like, you know, we have this situation. She shows up at the Shiva. She's getting questioned by her parents. Then her sugar daddy that we meet at the beginning of the movie comes in. And then the sugar daddy is also then married as well. And then so it's like these layers, the way that they're revealed through the conversation and like and uh, Danielle's like, you know, just facial expressions. Yeah. Is so powerful. Like throughout the movie, like her her eyes in this movie are just like everything like yeah. like the fact that she didn't get like more uh awards buzz you know if this movie was bigger like she 100 percent is just fantastic yeah i'm glad that this movie has like found its audience on streaming because it you know it did have a very limited release in 2020 uh so it just and, or late 2019 um so it didn't really have like an opportunity you know to like really uh strike that that horror audience but i'm so glad that it has on hbo max like i like you said devon it's still available to stream it's a super quick watch and i actually think it is pretty accessible if you're willing to feel these types of things mm-hmm. um but yeah she's really terrific in the movie a lot of the cast is is really excellent you've got a lot of you know very well-known actors in this but also a lot of newcomers too and i'm really excited to see what uh, a lot of these people do in the future and there's a you know she's actually taking the plunge into a full-blown genre movie with bodies 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 which i'm I'm very excited to see that as well oh yeah, yeah and the cinematography uh it goes so far in shiva baby and I, devon you mentioned it before like how close the tight pulls are and how yeah. they really make you feel in the face of these characters but i think when it works best too to like rachel's performance is tremendous but the way the camera will just zoom in on rachel or, sorry danielle the character as yeah. danielle is standing there next to two people talking who are talking about her and just right in front of her, just mm-hmm. all their opinions are out in the open. Like there is no holding anything back. Yeah. And the way Danielle is just like kind of staring off and just having to hear this and the camera just pulls closer and closer until like there's no one in frame but her and we just have her face on there. Like yeah. it just conveys that feeling of just feeling so isolated and alone, despite mm-hmm. her being in a room full of people that are mm-hmm. like loudly, loudly chewing and talking. And it just... like you said like the small talk aspect of it all and just like how much that just feels like my god like can i get out of here like it's imprisonment and the way the camera pulls in kind of like shows that off Mm -hmm. it's so good and that like that's why this movie is so good at just the technical aspects like that visual storytelling because again as you said devon like it's a contained story you're just at the shiva in somebody's house and there's not many places to go so the what they have to do to convey how that house feels like the walls are closing in on danielle and the way they do that through cinematography like i I don't know how this movie wasn't like topping more lists on the end of the year honestly yeah i think it's also something i don't know if it's just the time in which the movie came out like having come out in 2020 a time where you're like actively not supposed to be around people because it's you know endangering yourself as well as others but i found myself really getting made uncomfortable by just the proximity that everybody is so close together and everybody's packed into this little house. It's this very claustrophobic feeling of just like, I'm in this kitchen and there's also 20 other people in here and I can't move and everybody's having their own conversations and chewing and talking. And I think that is kind of like an, you know, the the cinematography and the music are very obvious, but that's also just the, the claustrophobia, uh, claustrophobia definitely kind of creeps in. It just continues to throw on the pile of just like making you as like viscerally uncomfortable as this movie can possibly possibly make you hold on a sec cal you are being so extra a little gremlin (laughs) jeez i was saying before we were recording like watching cal right now is like making me anxious i'm like jeez just stop like fidgeting so much (laughs) man like he is literally the embodiment of danielle in this movie (laughs) and it's cool like you know they they repeat this you know technique like multiple times throughout the movie 
where, you know, we're focusing in on Danielle's facial expressions and we're getting the information through the other characters conversation because Danielle is such a compulsive liar that like, she is a very unreliable narrator in this Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. So it's like the only time when we're getting like, you know, the actual truth is when it's being revealed through other people. And then we just have to watch Danielle's reaction to that. And we see that multiple times. Like, there's one that, like, even just, like, the way that she, like, drinks the wine, like, so fast and the angle at, like, at mm-hmm. where it's at just feels so uncomfortable. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Like, and, like, and they and they repeat this and just, like, and each time they repeat it, they escalate it. Yeah. You know, they make the, the music cues get more dramatic. The, the shots start getting, like, more saturated in color as it goes. Like, yeah. uh, I love the, like, escalation of it, like, each time, like, that technique is used. Yeah, for sure. And it also, it just feels so natural in those moments, too, because, like, for, it, like, pre-lockdown and everything, I would definitely define myself as an extrovert. And I still do, absolutely. I'm an extrovert. Like, that's just what this is. But at yeah. the same time, you know, pre pre all of staying home and whatever that did to us like i was full bore yeah let's always be out around people i love this stuff and then you know having those moments after lockdown and we could go outside again and see people again and i i just felt myself feeling a little like different in some instances mm-hmm. so like those little tricks that are not tricks but like you know those coping mechanisms of like really taking a quick drink and like doing all those things and like walking over to the buffet table but not really wanting anything and just like looking at things putting them on a plate putting the plate away and like <laughs> everything about it is just so it's authentically just natural like the way that she goes to these little ticks and the way that she just like tries to combat what's going on i'm like jesus like i again the relatability of this film it just nails it on the head yeah and it's also like something that's even a little bit hard to communicate but in when you're watching the movie it's conveyed so well and i think an example of that is when she is given the tray of cookies and she's just (laughs) carrying it over to the buffet table and people keep stopping her and like taking cookies from it like that's something that seems so harmless when you're explaining is like oh she's carrying cookies and people are taking cookies but in the context of the movie it just makes you feel so uncomfortable and you're just like you were given this tray and you're just like "Uh, she wants to put the tray down so bad and like every time and like the way that like you see her like a little bit of her like dies inside every time someone takes another cookie like it's so oh man it's just so good (laughs) yeah I I think there's also this kind of uh, a lot of humor comes out of this movie is seeing her in this uh, terrible you know situation it's kind of that uh, was it scheidenfrude like when you like watching other people like uh, in pain or torment or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and there's so many moments that find humor in this when she's her family's like talking about her and they're they're just like talking about her like even while she's there and they're acting like she's not there and she just sees this woman just carrying a paper towel and she's like I can get that for you and she's like oh thank you thank god yeah my kid puked in the other room and she's like no that's fine Whatever. like she would rather just <laughs> literally go clean up vomit rather than be in this situation uh it's 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 very relatable there, there's also like a very funny visual cue that i love that she's just progressively sweatier as the movie goes on oh, for like sure. she gets very shiny and her hair like gets slightly frizzier yeah just like yeah. as it goes yeah it, i love it mm-hmm. well and it's really smart the way that like it conveys the embarrassment uh that yes. her parents kind of like put on her in a way because mm-hmm. like she is just trying to live the life she wants and obviously we introduce the character of um maya who is her ex uh, yeah. you know danielle is by she's discovering herself and she's discovering herself like in college too and what she wants to pursue yeah uh and her trying to tell that to her parents and convey that again is a very 
authentic feeling of like she starts lying i think because it's a safety net Mm -hmm. because why like i i do the same thing or i did the same thing as like to my parents when i was growing up and it was just i i didn't want to tell them everything because they would start saying the stuff out loud and embarrass me in front of people and things of that nature so like like it's the way they play that angle is so good because like yes she is lying and like that is one of her traits but at the same time like it's the kind of lying that's not always even malicious like she's just trying to discover herself and figure herself out and it's just so much easier to contain that and it's so much easier to keep that bottle inside because like if we tell people this is what happens dad says things very obnoxiously and loud and like fred Mm -hmm. melamed is so good at playing the jewish father like he just nails everything about being Mm -hmm. oblivious and caring but not understanding the harm he's causing by making everyone get in the same car and have to deal with the entire shiva for a whole ride home but like it, it it's so thoughtful the way that is played because it's never about her trying to like get over on people like maybe we can argue the sugar daddy scenario but it is more just her being messy and lost and confused and trying like that is such an important thing to show well it's Mm -hmm. like you know we we've been talking in this series you know specifically of like you know where to find the horror in these movies and it you know a lot of it boils down to like you know individual fears you know, and, you know, shown through Danielle that she has just this immense fear of the expectations of her family, um, you know, her perception and, you know, so the way that she carefully tries to craft this, but then whenever it can't happen and, you know, her, you know, lies start falling apart around her is, you know, where, where like the true horror in this like whole film really stands in and like obviously like a personal fear too is, you know, her family's perception of her sexuality because it's interesting, it's, like, obviously that she's maybe, like, inferred that, like, maybe she's tried to have the conversation with her parents, and it just mm-hmm. kind of, it was kind of like a, they they heard her but didn't listen type of thing, and, like, and because they don't demean her, but they keep saying, they keep referring to it as funny business and experimenting. Yeah. Like, they keep using those two phrases, and they cut so deep each time, yeah. and it's like, those aren't malicious words, but to somebody that is experiencing that specific fear in that situation, mm-hmm. each time they say it, I like kind of like winced a little bit. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about what Matt had said, because like there's this the habit that this movie has of she would rather it's like it's not again, like like you had said, Matt, it's not malicious lies. It's just easier than trying to explain to people what you want to go to school for or something like that. And there's actually kind of like a word for this. Uh, it's called like an expectancy violation. It's like a theory of communication that there are levels to your communication and like how close you let people in. So, for example, okay. if you're in line at the grocery store and somebody starts talking to you and you unload about like trauma that you had in your childhood, that's an expectancy violation because ah. this person's like, what? <laughs> like, what is happening right now? And this and it's the reason that we have small talk is because like, what else are we going to talk to this person about? You know, because you got to like step up to it. But exactly. Then, man, I'm I'm experiencing uh, those violations literally every day. Like yeah. as a bartender, I will meet somebody for the first time. And within 45 minutes, mm-hmm. two drinks. Yeah, they will unload just shit that i'm like yo i don't think i should be hearing this exactly. right now yeah like- <laughs> and alcohol has the tendency to do that but it's it's like uh this movie does that or capitalizes on that so much where she would just rather tell these lies which is again not something malicious i think it's actually something really relatable of just like 
instead of explaining to them what I'm going to school for, how that's going, how I plan to implement my degree and blah, 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 blah. It's just like, I've got a few job interviews lined up. It's a sentence. People aren't going to ask questions about it. It's mm -hmm. just a lot easier uh, to do that. But uh, it, uh, also when it capitalizes on that, it's catching her on these on these, you know, quote unquote fibs or lies where her family goes, wait, no, actually this. And it's just like. Uh, just getting wanting to get out of the room because you're just like I just don't want to engage here beyond a certain level, and I I think that that is a very uh, relatable thing that this film that's has. that's the horror of it all. That, yeah. That's when all the dominoes start falling down and you mm -hmm. can't keep them up. Like you yeah. just want to stop. You want to stop it right there and be like, no, I got it. It's not going to keep falling. But like once that first goes, it, there's no stopping the entire row of dominoes from going down. And that is just the pinnacle of the best parts of Shiva Baby. And like, that's not to say I revel in Danielle's downfall, obviously. Like I, I, I experience it too. Like mm -hmm. I feel it because all those times we go home, like you know, bring up the holidays, you know, yeah. I go, I live in LA. My family's on the East coast. I see them once a year. So yeah. they want to know everything that's happened like the last year we exactly. keep in contact, but you know, yeah. we're in person. We want to talk mm -hmm. about it. And I always love the moment where that one relative's like, Oh, so like, you know, what movies have you seen recently that you really like? And it's, yeah. I, I've gotten to the point now I'm like do you actually want me to tell you about why I like these movies yeah. because your eyes are going to glaze over if I do or yeah. do you just want me to say three titles and we can move on to the next topic because you don't actually give a shit like yeah. that is so much where we've gotten and I'm so happy because I I am sick of having those conversations and like sick of having those longer conversations with letting people just kind of say their little quips and i'm like nah, i'm done with all this we're done yeah, yeah i really relate to that because like uh, my family is uh in the midwest and so i also don't really go home uh any other time uh besides you know the holidays and me being like a person that wants to talk about movies for a living a lot of my family just knows that about me and they're just like ah it's garrett he's a movie guy he lives out in california so of course that's what they're going to talk to me about and i've experienced the same thing so like last year for example like one of my favorites of the movie uh favorite movies of the year was pig and if somebody's like, oh, what are some of your favorites of this year? I'm like, oh, it's Pig. It's a really contemplative movie about this man that loses his truffle pig. But in the, re you know, and like, would you really want me to explain like why I love this movie so much? Or do you just want me to, want me to be like, ah, the new Matrix is pretty good, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Because uh, it's easier and it's easier just to have those like smaller conversations. But uh, like I said, the movie capitalizes on that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, do you, do you really want to know what I'm going to school for? Or you just kind of want to feel comfortable enough of like, yeah, I kept up with her like yeah. you know yeah well it's like it, it's like i never know if i want them to actually care and ask and then i have to like go through like you said and then you like go through the explaining and then it's like how interested are they but then totally. it's like would i rather have that or do i also like you know do i want the ones where it's just like oh when well, i show up to a family gathering and everybody's like oh hey look it's hollywood like are oh you making God. your movies oh are you famous yet and i'm just like oh. so it's like which you know which the less of two evils which do i pick and then it's like you know in danielle's case she's just like sometimes she leans into it whenever you know once um you know she the tension between her and max starts you know rising back and forth and mm -hmm. she's trying to take control of the situation by like okay like well if you're here and it's already awkward like no i'm gonna make it awkward for you so let me send yeah. you some nudes in the bathroom and like yeah. so she like always tries to go on the like offensive a lot of the times like she'll like kind of get backed into the situation and then so it's like when when Matt said like you know that you you're not necessarily reveling in her like you know pain in this in these situations, mm -hmm. I mean I think I I mean I am because like one it's yeah. entertaining but then two I think the movie does such a good job with Danielle and making her you know this this complicated protagonist that like you know like you know that she's not 
she's not unlikable. She's very likable. But again, it's like, you know, she just does things like lie and like it's just malicious. But again, like these are situations that we've been in, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like it's like, yeah, she's kind of swindling Max a little bit because, you know, one, she's like embarrassed to be like, you know, admit that her parents take care of her. And like she has this like, you know, kind of position of um, what's what what, where am I looking for here? Not opportunity a position of, uh, you know privilege privilege that's the go. word i was, I was like I'm, I'm like i'm trying to be here with you i'm trying to <laughs> i know garrett just blankly staring at me I, I was like where is he going i don't know i was hanging on to every word and then <laughs> yeah um but you know so it's like she she goes out of her way to like hide that as well so it's like there's a so it's like i feel like the the suffering that she goes through in this is just enough to where it's like you know this is an apropos punishment for for this like you know situations that you take care of and the lies that you're telling because like yeah at the end of the day it's like you know the the movie does such a cool thing of like making you feel like you know something bad's gonna happen at the end of this movie i remember the first time like thinking like there might be like a horror ending like i feel like we're building something really bad and no it's just her having a really bad panic attack yeah when it you know she finally lets her emote true emotions come out yeah i do want to talk about danielle in the sense of like one her you know being kind of the cause of a lot of this directly and less of like the outside influence but also i i want to comment on what you just said about like anticipating like this big ending more of a theatrical ending but when you're in a situation like this it feels more uh, elevated in your own head. And, and this kind of panic attack that she's having, whereas like the dad is totally clueless. You know, he's like, we're just family and we're hanging out at a shiva. But for her, her world is like crumbling apart. And I think that that is, as someone who like also has anxiety, I can really relate to because some of these smaller things that might seem mundane to somebody else are like bigger in your mind for could be whatever reason. But I, I do think Danielle is an interesting character in the sense that her family is spending the entire movie minimizing her sexuality, her careers in life, where she's her choices and, and all of these things. So I think she's actively trying to bring Max down to uh, to a lower level, uh, but also bring I think uh, Sheila is her name. Max's uh, wife. Right. Is that her name? Sheila? Uh, Kim. Kim. Yes. She, Sheila's the the host of the the shiva gotcha so i think she's actively trying to bring kim and and max down a level especially kim which i also think is is fascinating because she is this chosen a career for herself to be this uh feminist organizer and and you know produce movies and and marches or whatever she wants to produce art media uh to promote like a feminist agenda but she sees this woman who she views as kind of this hashtag girl boss kind of persona something that she may want to eventually you know uh strive to be but she she just tries to bring her down a peg oh, because of well, what she has with Max. Well, yeah, one hundred percent. Like she's trying to justify in her head like why she shouldn't feel bad for sleeping with Max when totally. it's like, no, she's totally a woman that runs all these businesses, is the one doing most of the parenting, is yeah. making most of the money, all yeah. these things, and then being lied to, you know, behind her back. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there's literally not much that Danielle can like really try to rationalize to yeah. be like, Oh yeah, like this you know, let I should feel for her like when she's 
when uh, Maya calls her out about yeah. it, she's like, what? Uh, you want me to be uh, boring and not have sex? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. When Max is like very clearly like in the wrong here. Yeah. Obviously, Max is. Where yeah, Kim is bag. just being a mom and is successful, you know, and that makes her kind of the, the target of this in a lot of way. But Danielle, I think, is trying to bring her down in, in, in a way that's like, oh, you think you're so perfect. You think you've got it all figured out. Well, you're no better than me because your husband cheats on you, you know, uh, and it's just it it's, makes for a really interesting again. She's not unlikable, but you're kind of I think this belongs in a genre of movies like uh, you mentioned the Safety Brothers, like Good Time and Uncut Gems, two movies where you're just watching someone make, you, just, uh, you know, consecutively terrible choices <laughs> for two hours. And you're just like, all right, man, like you're going to you're you're making this choice. And I think Danielle doesn't do it the entire movie but there's a lot oh, of yeah. things that on she a much does. lighter yeah. level for yeah. sure a lot of things that she does that i'm just like i don't know man maybe that's not the best call <laughs> I, I like how it's just a snippet of her life though I, this is one of those films that's so contained not in just physical presence but just time it, it is only a few hours like by design exactly like it's designed to just be a small part of danielle's much larger life and it it's about consequence and it's about all these wrong choices that you're making but it's also about there is a light at the end of this tunnel where like you can keep going down the road of making these terrible choices or you can finally just bite the bullet accept what you've done and like move on to the next because like that's what life is and it, mm-hmm. it, it becomes very like beautiful in that moment it be, like when they hold hands at the end when maya and danielle finally just like are sit, are crammed in the back of a stupid suburban van and are yeah. just trying to make the best of everything and just like hold each other's hand and like there is that moment of yeah some fucked up shit just went down and we all made some really bad choices but we're still all going to get out of this okay and like we can still all move forward i mean maybe we can't say the same for max and kim because obviously there's cheating going on with the child in this scenario mm-hmm. but like i it just never condemns her in a way or even like condemns the idea of like making mistakes is wrong yeah and i I think that is so important at the end of this film because we go through a movie where danielle has been all the things you said belittled made to feel small at everything part of that and still comes out and it's there's there's just hope at the end of it like there's a little bit of hope that like things can get better and i i just like i needed that because i see so much again of myself in danielle and making bad choices and knowing the bad choices and still doing them because i'm like they feel good in the moment It, it was it was good to be like yeah. Okay. There, there's something else here. It's well, such it's such an interesting like catharsis at the end. Like this, like the little coda at the end of like, because like after this whole moment happens and like you know when we've been in this location for like the short amount of time and everything, there's something about like when they finally exit the house to get into the van that like I felt like I, that's like when I finally took like a giant breath, you yeah. know, with you know Danielle because again it's like. This felt like such a, a you know big thing, and felt like like so much you know pressure, and uh, it felt so dramatic. But then like you get outside the house, and it's just like oh, we were just inside this house for a shiva. <laughs> like that's it. So it's like at the end of the day. Oh my cow! Yeah. <laughs> I just saw head. that. He was like mauling me while you were talking. God damn it, man! Yeah, he cow was just on me and like yanked the head the cord out of my head. I was like, oh god, we're going down. <laughs> um, I kind of want to come back to something that Matt was talking about earlier, and it's this idea that this really is just this kind of snapshot of of Danielle's life. And I something that I love about this movie is that it really avoids this 
obvious sense of catharsis to where Danielle doesn't just like scream at her parents and is like, Oh, you always do this and blah, blah, blah. It's just like this small, uh, small victory of her just deciding that Maya maybe is what's best for her. And I, I think you're able to kind of infer, uh, Danielle's journey here. And, uh, you guys feel free to kind of, you know, uh, jump in and give your thoughts. But I feel like Danielle is just a character that has her, as, as you see with her relationship with her parents, has always been told who she is, what she should be doing, what she should go to school for, what's going to be lucrative, that she needs to have a boyfriend, that she needs to kind of have everything figured out. And I feel like her going into college is like maybe like the first opportunity of her, like herself, having maybe a small bit of control. And I think that's what's kind of made her not want to be with Maya. And because maybe she realizes that, oh, that's just letting somebody in, being more vulnerable. I'm just going to go with Max where I can still get my money and get get what's mine, but not really have to have like this kind of vulnerability attached to it. And I, I think it's, it is such a, a, a big victory for her at the end of the movie, but such a small one for everybody else that she is just kind of, okay, maybe let's try this. Maybe this is what's best for me. And I, I can kind of relinquish that, that control or that kind of jadedness that she projects onto everybody else. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think about that? I think the weight of expectations is so heavy. And especially when you're in a, you know, a religious community too, because like Mm -hmm. it's hard enough, uh, you know, without me launching into a therapy session here about myself (laughs) and all that stuff. I I mean, I am the only single guy in my group of friends from college and high school at this point in my life. I'm 33. I don't even have a significant other. And it's like the expectations around me of all my friends just being like, oh, so like, when are you going to settle down eventually? When are you going to do what we did, move back home and do all these things? And for me to try to explain, going back to what we were talking about before, that I am happy doing what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and that like, I don't see myself as the white picket fence living back in Jersey with my family and kids. Like it still takes a little bit for me to explain to family members and friends that like, I don't want a child. Yeah. Like that is just not in my life path. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are just so many different paths to explore at this point. And like, I feel all of that in Danielle's character too. And whether mm-hmm. or not it's with children or stuff like that, you know, it's just her trying to explain that what she is doing, you know, makes her happy and everyone comes down on her for it and no one understands it and especially like in the jewish community um i'm just relating like my christianity and catholicism which i don't really practice anymore at all like i'm not religious in the least Mm -hmm. sense besides i went to ccd and i went to church with my parents and Mm -hmm. at this point i don't know what i believe but still having that loom over you and the guilt and like the Mm -hmm. weight of everything that comes with that it, it it just makes things so much harder and it makes it almost feel like you you're failing you know, like you're doing things wrong. Everyone else is doing things right. Why am not? Why am I not in graduate school? Why don't I have the boyfriend? All that stuff, and what it drives her to do in this moment versus how she rebounds at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. It, it just says so much about the the environment around her and how that corrupts and how that can like corrode and make you feel when you shouldn't because this is mm-hmm. your life and like as messy and fucked up as it might be it's still yours and what you're doing is all you can do. Like I, I, I like the duality at play mm-hmm. here and I like how they travel through her journey in the Shiva just to get to that moment of realization at the end. Yeah. And I think it's something that also being of, of an age to where I'm still like trying to figure things out and you can, this age can extend to when you're in your mid thirties, like still trying to get your shit together in a way. Uh, I think it's something that is very relatable of like, yeah, man, I'm trying to navigate things. Like I'm still, I'm still mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's best for me in a relationship level, academically, professionally, like you're still trying to work th- out all of these things and the thought of trying to 
explain all of that to a family member who's you haven't who you haven't talked to in maybe years or so can just feel overwhelming or at minimum just kind of unnecessary. I'm like, I don't need mm-hmm. to explain myself to this person that I haven't seen in a long time because that's yeah. not what they're looking for. They're yeah. just looking for, a, hey, how you been? You good? Oh, you haven't been eating. And just like, it's immediate. Like, why would I be vulnerable with you and share my thoughts and dreams? Or the first thing you said to me is like, oh, you haven't had a boyfriend? Oh, you're getting mm-hmm. really skinny. It's just like you just said all of these degrading things immediately. Exactly. You know? It's like you don't have the time to like provide people with like, you know, the context of being like, you know, like when you're trying to figure so many of those things out, you know, like, cause mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, same exact thing of being like, you know, it, she, you know, we only see such a, you know, small part of her life in this, but yet I feel like, you know, just from the relatability, like there's so much that you can like kind of infer that it's like, you know, she's tried to have like, you know, these conversations with yeah. them maybe, or like, you know, she's, um you know, tried to explain things, but it's like, she gets to a point where she just seems like, you know, she seems kind of just tired. You know, mm-hmm. of, you know, like, you know, I, okay, I'm tired. I've put in the effort. So, like, it is just so much easier to either lie or just like sidestep it completely. Yeah. You know, that's that than, horror moment, too. Yeah. I think the one moment I, I mentioned before where I was like, we'll get to it because there is a moment of horror. And it's Devon, you mentioned before how the conversations and the cinematography, the way they happen at yeah. Shiva, uh, like, they start to colorize. And, and it's not just the soap opera kind of sitcom view anymore like there's a part where basically daniel has had enough everything has come full force and everyone is circled around for max his wife the kid Mm -hmm. her parents there's the family friend also involved Mm -hmm. and they all start getting into a conversation and she just goes for it she starts letting out the little hints of like what she's been doing yeah and she's seeing if anyone picks up on it she wants to see max wriggle and kind of back you know Mm -hmm. see try and see if he'll back his way out of it but know that he probably can't Mm -hmm. and the screen goes like it's almost like red i think it's like an orange tint over everything but it's become more enraged and we can see it in danielle and like everything is coming to the surface at this point like everything is coming full force and the cinema cinematography changes and that is the horror for me the horror is where she is still talking normally but everyone around her has turned into some like you know brian using a society kind of moment where like yeah. everyone else is having their own conversation and she is just deadlocked on her own focus mm-hmm. yeah. and it, it, her person is just in a different place at that point and like yeah. just sitting there watching it that is the horror you just you know how bad she feels you know how terrible all everything that's happening is and yet like it's still the creepy anxiety of watching it going like my god i know what's happening i know this feeling this yeah. sucks i mean we talked about like the first week of like the guests or, or you know even Devon and I like when we suggest these movies they are they really do take different kind of paths to get to horror some are a little bit more obvious this this story is not a horrific story but it takes a lot of stylistic uh, horror tropes mm-hmm. and implements them and that scene that you were talking about I think is the most overt yeah the saturation really jacks up to where it's practically like bright orange bright red yeah. which is just a very intense color the music gets uh, more like in your face and louder and it is that kind of that violent and staccato thing but also under- she is literally surrounded by everyone sure. too like yeah. how is everybody in this shiva in the same room at this moment right yeah. now and it, it feels so claustrophobic <laughs> but also something that really ramps up is just like the ambient noise of like babies crying and kids yeah, running around yes. and people chewing and all of these things and it really does feel 
like like an anxiety attack like yeah. I, as someone who has like experienced one or two of those in your in in my life it everything just feels so much more heightened and these little noises can feel like incredibly loud and you're just like i just want to go outside which she eventually does and yeah. she's just like panting and it's just it's incredibly relatable oh no it's like it, it's like very much encapsulated like on like the the sound design level they do it visually like yeah it, like again like they we've seen these interactions happen the entire movie with these overlapping voices and everything and like we finally see that like last one where it's like everybody is pushing in she's taking everything in she's trying one more time to just like still push everybody out Mm -hmm. and then it just like collapses in on her and then she like literally you know collapses to the floor with you know visuals she breaks all the glass uh the torah on the ground just like everything just like it uh the the way that um the climax happens like thematically but then showing it with these um horror techniques is Mm -hmm. just like it's so good yeah and the the mood created just through conversation just the tip of the hat just everything Mm -hmm. on this because it's all performance based there's nothing here that is a visual aid there's nothing else that happens like every creep that we feel at when our skin just shivers and every moment that we feel so uncomfortable it's down to performances like that is down to the entire cast creating those moments and all they have are their words to make us feel that way yeah where i you know i i felt worse and best in this movie it's weird because like obviously the movie entertains me and obviously i like this movie so i like what's happening on screen although i still recognize how awful it makes me feel Mm -hmm. so i have these dueling emotions but to just say that like it is so very good at making us feel bad and that is why i like this movie so goddamn much like that it's you can't stress how much talent goes into making all those characters feel that way and Mm -hmm. how those emotions just like literally they're like searing off the screen it's just like a heat wave but there's there's also like i I don't know if we've talked about it as much but like yeah this movie does sound like very overwhelming because it is but it's also super funny like there is a lot of really Mm -hmm. great humor in that you had mentioned the actors there's a lot of like extras in this that are just moi just so so good one of my favorites is this uh, elderly woman who's like looking for the bathroom and they're like they're like i think there's one up, upstairs and she's like you gotta speak up and <laughs> it's just like ah oh, just wait until i go home it's 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 amazing there's so no, many the, characters the like best that. is the guy when he goes to the to go in the bathroom after uh, danielle comes out yeah, and he's right. just like is there a fan or an open window in there she's like i don't know he's like oh well <laughs> just that guy who's like i'm gonna destroy this toilet yeah there's so many characters in that who just like pop up and just say one or two lines and it's just it's amazing it's so so funny and again a lot of the humor comes in seeing her in these horrible uncomfortable Mm -hmm. situations where you feel bad for it you do feel overwhelmed especially if it's something that you relate to but it's also it's it also becomes kind of funny again to where you're like oh i've been there and yeah it's that kind of camaraderie there there's a there's this one sequence that stood out to me on this most recent rewatch that was like very much like what would be in a horror film would be like a scare setup, like yeah. a whole this whole sequence, but then it leads to a funny um uh, reveal instead is there there's a moment where she um you know gets her leg on a random screw that's sticking out of the wall. Yeah. So it's like that happens and you know, so it's like in a horror movie, obviously like that wound would like later fester and infect or something and yeah, like yeah. it become a whole thing later. So it's like this, you know, leads to her she has the wound and then it rips her tight. So she's like, okay, now I got to just take my tights off. Yeah. And then it, that becomes a recurring gag. Everybody knows saying, Hey, weren't you wearing tights earlier? And mm-hmm. then, you know, culminating in like the scene where, um, they are uh, cleaning up the puke. And then Maya notices the wound 
she's bent over, no tight. So it's like yeah. th- just from this one little thing of her like getting caught on the screw leads to this whole thing of her parents seeing her and Maya, what looks to be like, you know, them having their quote unquote funny business. Yeah. And then it, you know, turns into a whole thing, but it's still, you know, played for dark comedic effect instead of like in a horror film, this would led to like some like, you know, you know, for vicious sure. scare. For sure. I, I want to get uh, gauge your guys' uh, thoughts on this because it's something that it's not horrifying, but it's just that kind of social awkwardness of just, maybe it's just me, but like having to feign interest in babies is just something that I'm really bad at. People are like, oh my god, look how cute this baby is. I'm like, yeah, that's a cute baby. But people are like, I don't want to hold your baby. People I, are I like, don't yeah. want to hold your baby. I'm sorry. But they're like going on and on about it, and I'm like, I get it. It's a baby. But like, if it was a puppy, all oh hell yeah. Like I would be like, oh my god, look at it. But just like, it's a baby. Yeah, it's cute. Like, yeah, I, I know what happens, and you know, it's like because there's it, until the baby like has a personality. There's nothing to tell me about the baby because I already know about yeah. other people's babies and the same thing. Like yeah, it's like uh, if I want to, like I mean, I like babies and like i'll ask to hold it but like if i ask to hold it don't i don't want to be like walking by and then you casually just like throw this baby in my oh, arms sure. yeah you know it's like oh wait whoa like i didn't ask for that <laughs> Consent, yeah, and it's, it's going right back to expectations like we're expected to just love childbirth and love all these things mm-hmm, and yeah. like love the duties that come along with having a kid and like whenever you know i don't want to hold your baby i don't want to see pictures of your baby i want to talk to it when it's developed a vocabulary and i can have fun with it but like yeah no i have i have no desire i don't have that drive and that again is something like i have to explain to my friends Mm -hmm. like no i I don't want to do all of the stuff you are doing like you look miserable i I, i'm sure you are very happy and that is not a dig on anyone who does want children like it's just a me thing. Mm-hmm. And well, and there's faking on multiple levels too, because everybody again is like, you know, like, Oh, the baby's so cute. So everything. But then at the same time, like everybody, when they're not around, keeps going, who brings a baby to a Shiva? Who brings a kid yeah. to a Shiva? Like yeah. whenever somebody puke. So it's like, again, like even the people still don't want the kids and don't like the kids there, but still as this like societal expectation, like, well, no, we're going to totally. act like we love having the baby here at this Shiva when it totally shouldn't be. Yeah. Which is also that kind of idea idea of like if I tell you what's really going on in my life and what I'm like kind of dealing with you're just gonna shit talk me when I leave and just be like oh yeah she's such a Danielle's such a mess she doesn't have anything together and the baby is kind of an example of that where people are like oh my god what a cute baby and then the next minute be like why would you bring a baby you know (laughs) the the movie weaponizes this baby when you really think about (laughs) it this this baby in the movie does nothing but cry you yeah. know, but adds, you know, one, the baby adds to the sound design with like the way sure. that they mix the crying in, yeah. but then also adds into the the character tension, the plot development, that everything centers around this baby and all this baby is the worst baby in the world is just crying at the Shiva. It's the, so titu- it's it's like, the titular baby. It is the it, Shiva it, baby. Oh, the titular baby. Shit. I I, <laughs> shit. Double meaning title. Oh. The, uh, the biggest moments for me where I look back and like it makes me realize things about my life or bringing up the idea that people talk shit behind your back like yeah. that is a great point uh, of like oh, yeah. you know we're, we're forced to love families and we're told that like you know the family we have are the ones that we have to keep and yeah. i i do believe that to a degree but like i also believe in like finding your own family and like finding friends oh, that sure. way and yeah. like bringing people in your life that you care about and who won't treat you a certain way so like i just think about all the times of going home when it's i, I my parents are super supportive of me and i love them freaking dearly and like they're so cool about me not wanting kids especially like Mm -hmm. my dad alone has said multiple times like you're probably not ready for a kid anyway so i'm glad you're being responsible (laughs) and i'm just like yeah that's very cool so like they're not the overbearing every time i come home like hey you're not married or anything like what are you gonna fix that i want to be a grand grandparent but 
you then go to the family gathering with people that you go have to see because you're exactly. family. Yeah. And there's always the one person who makes the comments right in front of your parents. Like, oh, well, like, don't you feel bad that like you're robbing your parents from being grandparents? <laughs> and I'm like, you can go fuck yourself, number yeah. one. Number yeah. two, like, no, like that's the thing that me and my parents talk about and me and my parents are very on the same page about. And yeah. like, that is not your business. And yet in these scenarios, it always becomes everyone's business. And it's just like, Ah oh, man, that that hurt. Like those are the moments that I was really like, "Yep, I'm feeling that. I am feeling that shit." Oh, yeah, and they're the they're the family members that at the end of the funeral too are gonna be the ones that go, "Man, it sucks that we only see each other at deaths oh, at yeah. funerals and at holidays." Like, why? It's like, no, there's a reason I don't see you more totally. because these interactions suck. Like that, yeah. that, I don't talk to you in any other context. Like, there's a reason for it. Exactly. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't know if it's something you guys relate to because like I I'm like my immediate family like my my mother my father and my sister very very close so those conversations matt like you were talking about you've had those deeper conversations mm-hmm. with your parents or siblings or whatever because you have the time you know if you talk yeah. to them all the time versus oh my cousin that i see once a year uh but i i also relate to the fact that when you go home leaving these certain events a lot of it is just shit talking of like can you believe so and so like <laughs> and you know the other fam- side of the family is doing the same exact thing but with you i uh, love how that's usually what the car ride would be yeah. but instead at the end of this movie the car ride is completely silent oh, instead for sure. Uh, yeah, gotta love it. Gotta love it. I want to know, like, because the dad had like a van full of stuff. He was talking about his work stuff. Are those catheters? Like something like spilled out of the ground, like out of the van onto the ground. And I was like, does he sell catheters for a living? I couldn't. Did anybody else like make out what he does? I couldn't see it. Couldn't see I, it. Did, I didn't because I was focusing like on the conversation. I guess I didn't see yeah. exactly what Ca- spilled out. Catheter salesman is like that's I, it I mean, fits him. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> how lucrative is that? I gotta know. I gotta well, yeah, because he kept talking about his gear in the back of the van uh, <laughs> was the, the thing at the beginning. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess to to close it out, um, we'll rate this out of out of five bagels. Um, Matt, uh, how many out of five bagels? What are you giving this final thoughts? It's legitimately like four and a half. I don't know where the other half went, but they are just full <laughs> bagels of schmear and locks and all all the fixins. It's just everything I want. It's a rich story, and as fucked up as it is, it makes me feel good. Yeah, for me, I am also at a four and a half uh, out of five bagels. Um, I think the only the half bagel is I I want a little bit more from Maya. I feel like Danielle was really the perspective character in mm. this, and and in that it's almost kind of built in. It's kind of intentional. We just don't really get to hear from others of like what they're going through. Maya has like one scene where she's kind of like, "Hey, you left me," and then like. There's, they have a really funny argument about, like, you slid up on my story. Who replies to a story? And they're like, well, who calls anymore? It's, like, a really great engagement. But mm-hmm. I, I would prefer, like, a little bit more uh, from Maya. But, yes, this doesn't detract from my overall enjoyment of the movie really significantly. But, yeah, four and a half out of five bagels with a little bit of locks and capers on the top. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can feel you there. Um, Maya is kind of used um, a little bit more as, you know, for um, the plot purposes of for fleshing sure. Danielle out rather yeah. than fleshing Maya out as her own character Mm -hmm. um and you could say that you know i'd say for um you know you could say for kim or max as well but you know at the end of the day this is about uh rachel senate as uh danielle and she has everything um if you know people's um reactions to bye bye's bodies means anything you know she's gonna be our next uh genre it girl and i'm here for it yeah bow down to the bushy-eyed queen i love her (laughs) she has such great pouty eyes and lips like she's just 
She's everything. Also a stand-up comedian. Like and just, a, and very funny. All the time, yeah. She's very funny. I um I think I saw her like a few years ago. Like oh it, yeah. Like it was it was a while ago. Very but nice. um yeah and um but I love this movie. Um I initially gave it a four and a half. You know what? Uh, this is a five and a five. Nice. Five out of five bagels for me. Uh, fully loaded. Don't toast it. Um, it's perfect though. Um, like because when just how airtight the screenplay is, I for never sure. really like on this previous rewatch. I'm just like everything is connected. Everything has a purpose. Yeah. The way that it flows, the way that's constructed, um, the the filmmaking, just like everything top to bottom. Um, I really have no complaints about this movie. So. Yeah, very excited to see what Emma Seligman is going to be working on next. And it appears that she's going to be working on a movie uh, called Bottoms. Uh, and, and <laughs> nice. Rachel and Rachel is returning for uh, returning for that. Sick. Uh, the plot of which sounds really interesting. It's called. It says it follows two unpopular queer girls who start a fight club to have sex before their high school graduation. Sounds like a banger to me. It's supposed to be a comedy, but who knows what else will be in there? So. Oh yeah, ten out of ten already. No <laughs> notes. Let's. Uh, I'm. I'm very excited. Elizabeth for Banks it. on as a producer. Yeah, this sounds great. Oh! I was going to say, Marshawn Lynch is also in the movie. <laughs> God, I had to slide that. I was just going to say that, but uh, then uh, Willem Dafoe cut me off. But anyway, uh, here on the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, we like to do a little game here where uh, we call it movie math, where you take a couple of movies, you can add them together, multiply them together, divide them together, all of which it just has to equal the movie that we talked about today. So Matt, what are a couple of movies that remind you of Shiva Baby? So for this one, I mean, I mean, Devon, you already said Safty, uh, so that was one of the ones I had in my mind. Uh, so if I'm gonna do a little movie math here, I, I'm gonna take uh, Death at a Funeral, which is a comedy that I very, very much love. The original British one, uh, I, I, the American remake didn't hit me as hard, but Death at a Funeral very much reminds me of Shiva, mm-hmm. maybe for obvious comparative reasons mm-hmm. and the way that a family comes together to celebrate a death and things get kooky and zany um just more funny so i bring in death at a funeral plus uncut gems because it just has this person making the worst possible decisions in their life and mm-hmm. going through it no matter what yeah. and just pushing through so you get those two movies together and then i also add uh, this movie called crossing delancey which is an older romantic comedy and it just has elements of a jewish uh, romantic comedy that i think are present in this film because as much as you know maya and danielle are they're very much a subplot but maybe not as much of a subplot as we want them to be Mm -hmm. it's still there and there are those little sweet moments baked in where they figure themselves out and have a you know nicely romantic comedy moment of coming together so i think that is my equation of being death at a funeral plus uh, uncut gems plus uh, crossing glancy you know matt you made it really simple just basic addition where devon and i are probably going to throw a couple of yeah have fun with it because i was trying to figure it out and i'm like nope no multiplication or division we're just doing addition i've got multiplication and uh, subtraction which uh, i think might be a new one for the show have we done subtraction before um no, I, I mean, I haven't personally, so I know I haven't done subtraction. Do you want to go first or do you want me to explain um, my problem? I'll go first because it's pretty similar to Matt's. Yeah. Um, we had, um, I also had Uncut Gems uh, plus Death at a Funeral. Um, <laughs> again, you know, like, you know, all the reasons that you had it. Um, I actually like the American remake of it, but uh, yeah, the British one is definitely better. Um, but um, uh, it, 
you know, so you have, you know, obviously the, the situational comedy and like, you know, it, it does very much have a similar vibe of like, you know, all these like different secrets and trash talking behind people's back is like coming out and different yeah. things like that. And I love how, um, but the, the yearly differences, you know, here in this one, the funny business is, you know, um, two, two women together, which, uh, before it's, um, you know, with the American one, it's, oh, the black woman with a white guy. Oh, it's no. like, whoa, <laughs> it's crazy. And then, of course, Uncut Gems um, with, uh, you know, obviously we got the Jewish connection. We have the uh, overlapping conversations, all that, you know, mm-hmm. very similar. Um, so I have those two added together in parentheses. And then um, it would be multiplied by mother. Yeah. Um, that's my um, aesthetic multiplier usually. And, um, you know, again, with just the some of the filmmaking techniques and, um, you know, very much, you know, with just this, the constant people coming in your space and just everything yeah. kind of boiling over. And, you know, that one does it to a... Uh, a way more catastrophic um, degree. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to dive into that one on the podcast at some point. So that's my equation. What I got going on? Well, Devon, I have a bone to pick. Mother is the Bong Joon Ho movie. This is with an exclamation point. So give give no, it some give it some I, real no. Give I'm it ta- some real gumption. Oh, mother, there it is. There mother. it is. <laughs> Lower cased with an exclamation point. So yes, mother. <laughs> uh, I kind of went a similar route. My uh, problem is is also a little complicated. I've got parentheses and such in here. Uh, but it makes sense, so so bear with me here. Uh, the first one I have is The Worst Person in the World, which also came out the same year as this, uh, mostly mm. because that is also dealing with being uh, this uh, unconventional coming-of-age movie to where you're at this age, to where you're trying to figure shit out in your life, and it's just not quite figured out, and it's awkward to kind of explain to people what your differing careers are going to be, traven- uh, trying to navigate relationships while also kind of figuring out um, the person that you want to be. Uh, one of my very favorite movies of last year, I also uh, added that with we need to talk about Kevin mm. in the sense that you have these kind of societal expectations and these these horror of not really quite having uh, your, your life together, but the way that society uh, deems it. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin is also like uh, kind of a similar feel with like the anxiety of everything. Uh, the tone of that movie is a little bit more sinister as, as opposed to comedic with this one. Uh, but I think you have those elements multiplied by mother because you've said that the multiplication is more of a vibe because mother is a very uh, social anxiety movie just like in a little bottle that movie Mm -hmm. makes me very uncomfortable Uh, but I'm subtracting the seventh seal because I don't need the religious (laughs) like the super overt religious this isn't like a metaphor this isn't like a metaphor for religion Uh, so mother more in the anxiety sense uh, uh, subtract by the seventh seal and I just use the seventh seal as like what's a movie that's you know, just a religious metaphor because mother is obviously about Adam and Eve and creation mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Get all of that stuff out of there. Okay. But yeah, the, the heebie-jeebies that mother gives me, <laughs> just add that to uh, the worst person in the world and we need to talk about Kevin. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, and that, I think the math on that one checks out. Thank that you, e- That equation actually totally makes sense. Thank you. I uh, can't wait to talk about, uh, we need to talk about Kevin. We'll also be on the pod at some point. Yes. If we, if we were going to, one of the potential themes for this month was going to be like, you know, mother-centric movies. And uh, that might have yeah. been my pick. Um, yeah. That would have that would have come up. Or just like a, a, a fuck them kids month, because that's a big one of just like <laughs> if you're afraid to have kids and if like being the, a parent like terrifies you, that is not the movie for you because you just watch it and you're like, oh, good God. Like now I'm, I'm just going to get my uterus removed. No, thank you. <laughs> that movie is, hey, what if your kid 
your your kid might suck. Yeah. What if your kid was Ezra Miller? <laughs> what if Miller? your kid sucks? <laughs> what, yeah. What if your kid? <laughs> That's the real horror story. If you if you ever do a fuck them kids month, you got to have uh, Rob Hunter from Film School Rejects come on here because his kid, one of his plus a star moments in horror movies is if a kid dies. Like literally, he will give a, a movie a, a, an additional star if a kid dies in it. So if you That's do fuck excellent. them kids month. Oh, let me know i'll get hunter on here that's oh excellent. yeah we will definitely have to do that me and uh me and joe lipsit bond over that as well in our um in our film critiques i love it when you kill them kids that's you great. know they they deserve it just as much as everybody else does <laughs> damn it oh man but um i'm excited to um we still got we still have another um movie for our could be horror coverage and we're gonna be talking about the warriors yeah that's gonna be a first time watch for me do you, do you have a warriors of that famous warriors quote do you have that impression ready oh yeah it's coming in Very i'm not excited. gonna spoil it now no we'll, we'll both have to do it let the listeners say which one's the best but, yeah, yeah well it's been a while since i've seen the warriors and that is one that uh it's not to say that it's not it's just been so long that i've since i've seen that that i'm like is it almost horror so i'm, I'm very excited to revisit that and see where those kind of uh, the horror tendencies kind of creep up yeah. it's like horror in the purge sense in a ah, way I, I think that like that's the closest way i get to it just that dystopian uh gangland where nothing is mm-hmm. or where everything is legal so it's like i, I okay. get purge vibes but i i enjoy the warriors a lot and like it, it's on the fringe it, it's kind of on the fringe. yeah i'm excited to uh we'll be chatting with rachel reeves so i'm excited to see what her spin will be on that yeah but then also um in a i think a nice touch of uh you know could be horror mm-hmm. month um probably the most overtly horror thing that we'll talk about um we're gonna give you guys a little bonus episode with um a dr strange in the multiverse of madness uh, a yeah. little mini episode for you guys because you know we i mean how can we not talk about it i've got some thoughts uh i've made some of them public i i, I did a review which we'll uh, no doubt talk about but boy <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited for these thoughts um and hopefully you guys are too so we will have a bonus episode up for you guys um uh, coming up after this so yeah very excited for that what about you matt what do you got going on buddy you can follow me at donato.com and you can see everything that I'm doing. Uh, what do I have coming up specifically? Just a lot of uh, features on IGN and Boy Disgusting and things of that nature. And also, I'll be at the Overlook Film Festival not not too far from now covering Ooh. that. So when is that coming? Our, when is that? When is the end of the month? Uh, the first week of June. So literally the second to the fifth. Oh, so man. Can't I'm, make it. <laughs> I'm going to Vegas uh, the weekend before for AEW pay-per-view event. So I will be watching wrestling coming back to LA and then flying to New Orleans like three days later for the festival. Won't oh, be able to make so that, but that, sound, that sounds very exciting. I, I need to, I need to make my way over there. I've never been to New Orleans. And so oh, New be, Orleans is ooh. the best dude. I, best I, food. I love Cajun food. So I, I definitely need to make my way over there. Well, in the meantime, I'll cook you some Cajun food. <gasps> Devon, ooh. you're going to cook I've for heard, me? Yeah, <laughs> my, I, you didn't know my family is uh, from Louisiana. I'll oh man. You. I'll let's cook you some etouffee, bud. Yeah, let's go. I'm so excited. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you already said that, um, um, Oh, well, sorry. Um, Matt, tell us about uh, Certified Forgotten as well. Sure thing. I also have, yes, I have this thing Certified Forgotten that I always forget to plug. And it is a podcast slash website that I run with uh, Mr. Matt Monocle. And our mission statement is basically to highlight all the movies that were forgotten by Rotten Tomatoes uh, in the era where horror was not really a big critical coverage so like 2000s post onward we we look at horror films that have five or less rotten tomatoes reviews or sorry actually we upped it we're at 10 critic reviews or less uh on rotten tomatoes and 
whether that's the writing we pay our contributors to uh do a little feature on it and we have a patreon where if you'd like to give us any money we don't take it we pay our writers directly with the patreon and any other money we put right back into the site so by all means find search by forgotten see what we're doing listen to our podcast read our writers and uh yeah just talk about them a lot we do it to basically spotlight lesser seen movies and underseen voices in the uh, industry so don't don't put don't put it on us. Put it on our uh, writers and guests. That's what we want you to do. We love, I love that. that. Yeah, that's awesome. Love putting shine on those movies, and we love it when you pay the writers. Pay your writers, damn it. That's right. Pay, pay your listeners. Pay experiences and pay the bills. <laughs> exposure. Yeah. I can't cash in my exposure points eventually. What? <laughs> just hand that to my landlord every month. Just like I just hand him the articles that I wrote. I'm like, hey, this is the this is the number of social engagement that this article got. Can can that pay for my internet? No. Okay. No. <laughs> And Garrett, you already mentioned that uh, you got your Doctor Strange review out. What else are you working on? Yeah, you can find that on my YouTube channel. It's just Garrett McDowell. Uh, you can also follow me uh, at Garrett McDowell on Letterboxd as well as Twitter. And I've also recently joined uh, the TikTok community. So I've been publishing some stuff over there. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, got a couple of videos planned uh, for that. But if you want some more podcast goodness, uh, I have a, a Star Wars podcast I host with my buddy back home called Scum and Villainy. Uh, a bunch of new episodes uh, coming every week and a bunch of new coverage for Celebration. Uh, and we just talked about for like two hours Attack of the Clones to celebrate its 20th anniversary. So if that sounds like it's up your alley, uh, be sure to check us out. And of course, we will always have links to all of that below. Um, but what am I working on right now? Not too much. Uh, I'm working on a music video right now that will be out in a few weeks. So Ooh, you know, Of your own or someone else? Um, of someone else's, um, not of my own. Um, you know, that music's always uh, still working on some stuff. But anyways, so I got that coming out. So make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Um, uh, go check out on uh, Surf I Forgotten. I was on there a few weeks ago. We uh, talked about The Monster Project. Ooh. That was a very fun movie. Cool. Me and Donato, big fans of that one. So uh, go check out that episode. And um, yeah. But now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blind Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. You can follow us on social media at Bloody Blunts Pod on Twitter and Instagram. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.